when Bradley got home from work and found all three of us crying. It had been another in a long line of cold, gray March days that made it feel like spring would never come. Worse than the relentless wind whipping off the gulf and severe vitamin D deficiency, we were fogged in. From my fixed spot in the living room, surrounded by two of everything eight-month-olds could ever want or need, I hadn't been able to see past the stone balustrade on the terrace in a week. Clouds I had learned while spending 16 out of 24 hours wrestling a nursing bra on the same spot on the same sofa looking out the same window moved around. Fog didn't. And it was Wednesday, my least favorite day of the week. Nothing good ever happened on a Wednesday. I liked the beginning of the week with its promise, and I loved the end of the week anticipating having Bradley home for a few extra minutes. But Wednesdays could be done away with. Oh, Davis. I heard the thunk of his briefcase and the taps of his wingtips coming at me from behind. If I'd had the energy, I'd have at least turned my head to greet him. As it was, I only got as far as tipping it back. His face loomed over mine long enough to make sure I was okay. He bent down to barely kiss my forehead, then went for his daughters. He reached Bexley first, scooping her up, then lifted Quinn from her exorcer. The fussing stopped immediately, and there went his suit. The girls were drippy with tooth anticipation, and their daddy didn't mind even a little bit. He jiggled and juggled, kissed soft baby heads, surveyed the demolition in the living room, gave me a wary look, then took off. I sank down a little lower in the cushions as he toured the front half of our home with a baby in each arm. He returned to stand in front of me, waiting for an explanation. I'm sorry. I mopped my tears with the sleeve of my sweatshirt. She wasn't the one. He didn't say a word. Bradley, there isn't a doubt in my mind you'd have fired her too. I said the wrong word. Bradley tucked the girls into his chest and I dove for cover as a siren blared and everything went red with strobe lights. Then a hundred and twenty grating decibels ripped through every fiber of our beings. Our house yelled, Fire! 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 Exit immediately! Fire! Bradley yelled back, Off! 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 Our daughters, who'd never known anything other than computer-generated, gender-neutral, max-volume broadcasts interrupting our lives via 70 hidden speakers followed by their parents yelling back, didn't think a thing of it. One day, they'd realize they lived in the world's only home that spontaneously shrieked and yelled and demand an explanation. But for now, they mostly hollered along, Ugh! and Six weeks before the girls were born, nine weeks before they were due, Bradley and I packed our bags. I was so close to my due date we couldn't fly, and I could say without hesitation that the best part of our last trip as a childless couple was the time on the road. For one, car trips were fun. For two, 
When we weren't in Bradley's BMW, we were in Tyler, Texas, with Bradley's mother for five long days. Then in Pineapple, Alabama, with my mother and daddy for five even longer days. We didn't think we'd ever get home, and when we did, we weren't there five minutes before we were ready to leave again. We came home to a smart home. A really smart home. A ridiculously smart home. While we were gone, network engineers from Capital Defense and Security in Springfield, Illinois, had unleashed an arsenal of technology on our home. Anticipating my hands full of babies, I'd asked for a voice-controlled system. It was a first for Capital, and they threw everything they had at us. Our house heard everything. If either of us spoke a word even remotely,